we talk about taking back control of your long-term health. And especially through our nonprofit arm, we realize that controlling your health means possessing a degree of resiliency. So Pat James joins me remotely from Charlotte, North Carolina to dive into the topic of, of resiliency, first mentioned by Denise Presnell in our Trauma-Informed Coaching Podcast, and then continued in our Life Coaching Podcast with Kira Cardwell. Though he may, quote, do personal training, end quote, don't sleep on the wisdom that this amazing human is about to drop on you in today's episode. All right, for all you listeners out there walking around, living out what it means to be red fit or quietly watching and deciding if you want to learn more about it, I'm excited today to bring you today's conversation because it's centered around a single word. That word is resiliency. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back from adverse life experiences. So when bad stuff happens to you, you can get back up. You know? And before we get into the discussion today with, with, with our guest, I've got to give you guys some insight into my thought process. Okay, so here goes. 2020 decimated our nonprofit. I mean, just absolutely gutted us. We couldn't run the programs. Our donor support dried up. My bandwidth got super thin trying to keep the for-profit afloat. And basically, we hit a wall. But a good thing about 2020 is that it gives us a decision to either stay down or get back up and keep fighting. And as a lot of y'all know, my son loves Wolverine and Captain America. So for me, there's not really an option but to get back up because that's just kind of what he expects, you know? So when we started talking about what this looks like to rebuild and everything from a whiteboard standpoint, we got to the point of asking what's the vision, what's the mission, what's the core values. And that word resiliency just keeps coming up. So what's awesome about the story of 2020 is that it can be one of many narratives. And I like the one where our gym, our companies, our community flex and demonstrate our ability to bounce back from adverse life experiences. And that's why I asked Pat to join me today because Pat's a personal trainer in Charlotte, and uh, he's here to help me talk about how, from Charlotte, from his experience, our Boom Red 5 community can demonstrate resiliency. Mm. And if that's still not making sense to you, good, because I would hate for anybody to think like me. So that's, that's good. That's good. But I want you to buckle up and enjoy this conversation. So, Pat, welcome. Hey, thank you, man. I love that. Man. I love how you started that off. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Thank of you. Of course. Of course. So, um, I, had, man, I got a question, too. So like it's crazy like the impact of 2020 and the pandemic because you fail to realize like we know it's impacted people but i think first and foremost people think just health but then they fail to realize like how it's impacted nonprofits. like i didn't think about that until you said something right and I, ours is all built around health and fitness too so right. like it was a double hit because we couldn't safely run the programs and then donors are impacted financially and so it's hard to justify continuing to fund something that can't run yeah you know? you're right you're right and it, like i think that that speaks to um you know we, we all get caught up in our own stories of like what we're experiencing especially something that has impacted the world at once and to hear that from you you know one my condolences because i know how how tough that can be especially uh you know with the times that we have now and so the topic of resiliency is perfect for this episode uh but then also too it it also makes me want to just be more aware of what my neighbors are experiencing as well because it when you can get out of your own story and you can have empathy for someone else's story it actually may helps you appreciate what you have more and i think we need more of that of like you know uh obviously that's it's your nonprofit, it's your business but at the same time even me just hearing that and you know and viewing you as somebody that's important and i love your work like that makes me feel like okay i need to be doing more 
I need to like really be hearing what other people are doing because maybe I can help, even if it's just a conversation over a podcast, you know, or just words of encouragement. Um, and so like, you know, I think during this pandemic, uh, I would say I, I felt that like, you know, ex- trying to understand where other people were coming from because I was so caught up in my story. And that's the way a lot of us yeah. need to need to recognize and need to try to shift that focus, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I said in the beginning that you're from Charlotte, yeah. but I know you're not originally yeah. from Charlotte. Yeah. So where's where's home? Uh, home, home is a, one. The home is an arbitrary term. Uh, I definitely think Charlotte is home now, but where I'm from is uh, New York, upstate New York, uh, Rochester, New York, uh, small town. Um, very, very, very. Uh, how can I say it? It is it, it's it's its own culture. If I would have to say. I'm super proud to be from there. Um, for me, it was just a place that I felt was kind of stagnant when it came to mindset. And so um, I came to Charlotte 2012, uh, literally packed my coop that I had at the time, small coop, all my belongings, and just made the trip. You know, I have family and friends down here, so it made it a little bit easier. Uh, but I'm happy I made that move eight years ago. So, yeah, so Charlotte is home now, but uh, Rochester, New York will forever be in my heart. Well, I'm definitely glad you made that trip, too. And I know that it's going to have an impact even just through this podcast today. Yeah. But I, yeah. you said you, you have family and friends down here. Um, speaking of family, there was a, a change to your life situation. About yeah, a year ago, so, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one of the greatest blessings, man, to my world. So I had a daughter uh, December 2019. Uh, her name is Ella. And uh, I promise you, man, like for people always telling me how kids change you, you hear it so much that you kind of just bypass it like oh yeah okay i get it but like i've never experienced a love like this bro i've never no, there's I've, nothing there's like nothing it. like it there's nothing like it and what made it even magnified was that it was a girl so <laughs> um it, like i instantly turned to this tough dad but also i've i've learned from growing up around many women um how to how to love as that tough dad as well and uh i know that i know that journey only gets like you know more challenging uh but it's something that i'm very very excited to share uh with her um she she's everything to me man and one thing about kids that i love they teach you how to be present oh yeah they teach you how to be present like like she is so present she's 10 months she just started crawling like a month ago and um she's so present like she's so present bro like she's there in that moment whatever it is i gave her like I took one of the shoelaces out of um, my shoelaces and it was just randomly on my bed. She played with it for 20 minutes, like literally like nothing else. Like I have toys all over the place. She chose the shoelace, but <laughs> it, it, it just, it really does show you like how present they are in that moment and nothing else matters. And I think it's something that we all can learn from as adults that, you know, children have this innate ability to be where they are. And I think that's something that, you know, I want to get better at. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's probably something that you've worked at in the past as well about just being there, being in that moment and experiencing it for all it has to offer. You know, I'd like to say that I have, yeah, okay. and I've had enough children to be able to have had practice, yeah. but it was only this morning. I'll tell you this, honestly, this morning, my youngest, he's sitting on the floor and he had a little ball and he rolled it to me and he made like a little laugh. And so I rolled it back to him and he, he laughed again. And I ended up sitting there doing that. And then my wife joins in and we ended up rolling the ball and tossing it back and forth with him for probably 10 solid minutes. And it's a simple thing to have been like, just rolled it one time and been like, okay, mm-hmm. buddy, moving on. Um, but he was, he was in that moment and he was like, no, we're doing this. And 
it, it was so worth it to just stop man, and do it. You know? I'm telling you, man. It, it's been so many small instances like that with her where, like, it, it's also helped me, like, kind of put things in and, like, I'll structure my priorities in, in a sense, you know? So it, it's like you gave the example of, like, you could have just did it one time. But, like, at the same time, it's like you did it one time, but where was your mind going next for you to only do it one time? Was where your mind going right. next more important than your son's laughter in that moment? And that's that's an easy slope to start going down, you know, to be, like, on your phone and texting and being like, yeah, 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 that's it's, cool. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's like it's like it's not it's not worth it to me, when especially how we've seen this this year and how we've seen in life in general. 2020 has a lot of, like, from a societal standpoint, has a lot of negative things happening, but there's always been bad things happening on this earth. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, 2020 has been a year to where, you know, I've really realized more now than what I knew before is that life is fragile. It's so fragile. It's so fragile. And uh, I just want to be there uh, and communicate and, you know, really build relations with people that really matter to me, you know? So uh, that, that's definitely what it has taught me by having a daughter this year. I know you've you felt that feeling before as well. Oh, for sure. And, you know, down there in Charlotte, 2020 has been extra special as far as tension goes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've, obviously the COVID impact and then the uh, social unrest mm -hmm. and, and all that was going on. What's the atmosphere right now? Uh, the atmosphere is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's slowly getting back to what, like pre, like pre COVID of what I've, what I viewed Charlotte as, um, people are out a little bit more. Um, you still have the restrictions in terms of the health. Um, the social unrest was a very, very, um, very, very touching time. You know, obviously being an African American male um, in this city, uh, seeing like the you know police, uh, police brutality you know going on over the world, um, and honestly in the city as well, um, it was a tough time because it was also a time during COVID to where I had at that month at that point my daughter was only four months old and I couldn't sacrifice going in groups of people and marching. I right. couldn't. And it, it, it killed me inside, but I had to think about her health. You know, I also had to think about because we didn't have, we couldn't trust a, a babysitter at that time to come in. And so literally it was a blessing in disguise that, you know, me as a personal trainer, I was out of work for a couple months due to COVID. But during that time, I got to spend a lot of time with my daughter. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't do any of the marches because I had to sacrifice for her health. Uh, but it was a great it was a great time to see people come together of all dynamics, of all racial uh, backgrounds, of, you know, all um, religions and, you know, all sexual orientations and really come together for a cause. And um, and it was, it was just beautiful to see because I actually do live uptown. So I got to see some of it. Um, but at the same time, too, it, it's a time right now to where. I think we've had we've 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 experienced that. Um, I see a lot of my non-black clients becoming a lot more aware. I see them voicing uh, their opinions on the topic that I've never seen before. Um, so in a weird way, and I know I guess I get some I get some negative feedback when I say this sometimes, but I, I'm, I'm truthful and who I am. I personally do believe that the world is becoming a better place gradually because I believe more people are aware of what's going on. Um, negative news sells. So you're going to hear more negative news than you hear positive news, period. Uh, and so, um, you know, I do have uh, a, a, a positioning in my mind and in my heart that due to the social unrest, at least we, at least people, especially of non-black denomination, became more aware of 
what's going on and started to voice their opinions because not voicing your opinion is just like condoning it in a way, you know? And so um, I definitely think the city moved uh, a little bit further in terms of like, you know, social unrest and making it an equal place for all. And in talking about resiliency, um, as we've been studying and understanding the word more, we realize that there are so many components that, that are necessary for resiliency to, to happen. Mm-hmm. And one of those, uh, wellness being one of those components, and, and I heard a quote yesterday, we had a, one of our members gave a presentation about um, adverse childhood experiences and trauma and how that impacts people. And she said something that was really, really profound. And she said, uh, basically, you can't, you can't begin to grow until you heal from, um, you know, your experiences, or you heal from your trauma. And I think about resiliency as a nation, resiliency as, as a, a planet, you know, until we begin to grow and heal and find wellness, we'll never actually be resilient. Mm. So um, to what you're saying, I think this is a good step towards maybe reaching some of that understanding and, and education so that we can then begin uh, to oh, heal. Oh, my and God, a hundred percent. And uh, the, the healing process to me is another arbitrary term because everybody does it in their own way. And so, um, but like, you know, when you said right there, prioritizing the wellness piece, something that affects all of us, um, I think there's a, that we can move at a faster rate when we, when we put that as a priority. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Sure. So I, I definitely 100% agree with you on that one. All right. So uh, weird question. We're kind of oh, put you on the spot. You, you're talking about you're a personal trainer. You do personal training. And then your clients, you're talking about the social unrest yeah. and everything. So I'm going to ask you to give me like a one or two sentence answer okay. for this. I want to know what you do and I'll give yeah. you an example. So we understand that most adults lose control of their long-term health and we help them take it back. That's what we do. Okay. So I want to know what it is that you do. I, it's, it's so crazy. Cause you talk about like an elevator pitch sometimes. Uh, yep. you know what I mean? So, uh, my, my one sentence is this, man, I, I, I am a health coach who helps people's change their mindsets, elevate their thoughts uh, so they can take action on their wellness. Mm, and I like uh, it. when you change the person's mindset or their frame, I like to say mind frame because we all have a frame. You know, uh, our frame is very environmental. It first has to deal with how we were raised and then it's on us as adults to where we put that frame based on our environment as well, meaning the town you live in, the people you surround yourself with, the job you have, the books you read, what you watch on television, that's your frame. And um, if you can, if you can open somebody's mind frame to more possibilities, no matter what that is, we're talking health. So we can obviously, you know, dive into details, but that's, that's, you can do that opening of the mind frame in, in business. You can do that opening of the mind frame in relationships, whatever the, whatever the spectrum may be, it doesn't really matter. But once you open somebody's mind frame and then you elevate those thoughts, you encourage people, you show them love, you give them tough love at the same time and you're honest and you're truthful. Uh, I think what that does is like that taps into them believing that they can do anything. And since I am in the wellness environment, um, I want them to elevate their thoughts so they can improve their wellness. You know, when I met you, it's probably yeah, been three yeah, years yeah. We had or so a good now, time, bro. I actually, <laughs> I was iPhone, I don't know. do you have an iPhone? All right. So, you yeah. know, like, I've had stuff pictures on there, like the new update, like for like the widgets, you know, how like widgets are all over the place. Like it showed me, mm-hmm. pic- it, like it came up, our pictures came up in the photo widget. And it was just like, hey, uh, going camping. The iPhone's weird. It's kind of, it's, it's literally <laughs> stalkish. And 
they stalk you. It's, it's weird how much they know about your life. But it said going camping and all those pictures, whoever took pictures of there, they, I remember I saved them and they're all in there. And I was looking at those literally probably like a month ago. Man. And, and that time couldn't have been recreated. Yeah, man, can't, can't. But I remember when I met you. Um, so it was when we first got out of the car, we were about to hike through with mm-hmm. all of our stuff. And, you know, I was thinking, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm the guy that does all the CrossFit. I'll be the fit one here. And then I, I meet you, and you're not even sweating as right. we're hiking up through there. I was like, who is this guy? And, and you said, I'll never forget this. You said, I do personal yeah. training. And then I look at your, your Instagram and your content and everything now, and you, you call yourself a health self-mastery and coach. self-mastery yeah. coach. So how, how do you go through your own evolution from I do personal yeah. training to I'm a health and self mastery coach. Uh, you know what it is? It's the same. It's the same. It's the same thing as that one liner that uh, I just gave a minute ago. It's like I had to. I had to look at what I was doing on a day to day basis, and realize that I was more than just being a personal trainer to these clients. Like it really just started to hit me. Like like as of I, w- I would say probably say like the, the last like couple of years, a year and a half, where you know we get into these sessions. I have a plan for this particular client based upon their goals. And we follow this plan. Uh, we make sure we adhere to the nutrition aspects of it as well. But 90% of our conversation, 90% of our conversation is about real life things, relationships, uh, anxiety, stress, uh, marital problems, um, secrets, uh, anything that you can think of on the spectrum of wellness or well-being. This is what we talked about. And the thing about it, what helped me in these conversations were the aspects of me reading books. I'm an avid, I like, I love reading personal development books. Like I'm just an avid reader. And I started to realize like I was preparing myself from this content I was consuming through these books to be a better coach. And so I had to stop really looking at myself as a personal trainer. Yeah, that's what the, my industry would call me. However, at the same time, you know, like I'm helping these people and also helping myself because I always think the teacher learns more than the student. Um, develop discipline, uh, develop more confidence, um, look at situations as they are and not let our emotions take over and make us make decisions that we don't really mean. Um, I can give you an example. The other day, uh, a client came to me uh, and, you know, I won't stay in detail uh, just because of client confidentiality, but she was experiencing uh, a situation to where she had a fork in the road, really. You know what I mean? She can go one way and she's seen her life this way or she can go another way and she's seen her life that way. And I remember one of the most profound things that, you know, that was told to me that I said to her was just like, you have to stop living through the lens of other people. Like, because at the end of the day, you go to bed and you go home with your emotions. You're taking on everything. That person that you're trying to appease or you're trying to live life through their lens, they can't feel what you feel. And so no matter which way you go on this fork in the road, like choose the pathway that provides you more love and whatever love is to you, that's what you choose. And um, I, when I was told that information, when I, when I, one of my mentors told me that same thing um, and then reading up on it, um, when I, you know, you read books and you kind of get that reiterated to you in a different way. Um, I think it's one of the best pieces of advice that, you know, we can have in this earth is like we we're so consumed with what other people are going to think about us. Social media magnifies that a hundred times. It's to just choose a path that's right for you. Um, and that leads you to more love, whatever love is to you. As an avid reader, can you put one book out there? What one book has changed your life that you would uh, recommend to people? I would say Mastery of Love, man, by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, it's a, it's a, when you read the title, Mastery of Love, you think that it's about 
like loves and relationships and things of that nature. And it is, but that's a small spectrum of the, of what the book is. Love is a universal term, you know? So bro, meeting you one time, I have love for you. You know, you know what I mean? Like I have love for this project that you're completing right now because it, it, it gets two people talking about things that people are experiencing. That's love. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be an intimacy aspect to it. And so when, when it goes into the books, it talks about how we should always keep love at the forefront. And if we keep love at the forefront, that's how we do away with fear. Because fear and love can't coexist. It just can't. It just, they can't nice. coexist in terms of your mission. Now, mind you, you we're, all, we're human beings. We're going to feel feelings of fear. But how we overcome those feelings of fear is through the action of love. And it doesn't, like I said, again, it doesn't have to be intimate, but it's like, say, I'll give you an example. Um, if you fear starting that business, you know, you, you fear it because you're, you're worried about the failure as an outcome. When you take a deep breath and whether you meditate, you pray, or whether you just sit there and think deeply about something and you say, you know what, regardless of what obstacles or what barriers may be in my way, if I just show up and if I just, you know, do it without really thinking about, you know, the odds that are stacked against me. That's a form of love because that's self-love because you told yourself mentally that regardless of what happens, I'm going to show the resiliency to keep pushing forward. And to me, that's a form of love. Like that's self-love. And so, uh, I think I said, I think it's a universal term and, uh, it's something that I've, I've read that book multiple times, let people hold that book. That's the one book that I let people hold, bro, that I asked for back. Like all the time, like, give my book, man. like, give my book. Like, that's the one book because I want to keep my original just because I wanted to get old, you know, like I wanted to get old and rugged and pass it down one day. But um, that's the one book that I asked for back, man, because there's so many gems. And, you know, like when you read books, uh, you read something the first time two years prior and it hits you differently when you read it again, you know, because your right. life has changed. And so with me having a daughter, uh, with me, um, you know, uh, stopping, I was engaged at that time. Uh, when I met you as well, um, me not being engaged anymore, but also having a very, very wonderful relationship uh, with my ex-fiance is partly due to the information that I read in that book. You know what I mean? Um, and it, I think it's helped me grow and uh, it's also helped me uh, consume content in a different way. And I think a big takeaway from that one was without without that mindset and, and without mastering love, you're constantly going to be eluded by happiness um and that happiness can mean any number of things you know it, it but if you don't have that mastery of love then, then you're not going to experience happiness whether you're talking about happiness in your individual life or whether we're talking about resiliency and healing and happiness from an organizational or societal level that underlying love um, is, has is foundational it has to be has to know. be and i, I honestly recommend that book i like i know people always recommend books like seriously to any listener listening please please check out that book it's like 11 dollars on amazon like it's it's worth it because it will open your mindset to really understand your fellow human beings on this earth and, and it also just really gives you the the mind frame of like there's no time to to hate each other or be jealous or have these feelings of inferiority or things like that we're we're literally all artists you know, painting our own canvas of what we want our life to be. And you mentioned fear when you mm -hmm. first started talking about that book. And um, I want to use that kind of as a segue because what made me reach out to you was 
a series of stories that you mm. posted on your Instagram account. And it was six stories and each had like its own connected, mm. profound statement. And the first statement said, turn your wounds into wisdom, accepting our mistakes and understanding mm. that they're a blessing in disguise. And the word fear, you know, seems like it's just all over that first, mm. that first point. So how do you, how do you feel like people view? Wounds? Uh, I think, I think people, if I had to say a way, I think people view wounds as, as if they're still open. As if like, it was like a fresh scratch or a fresh fall and it's still there and it's not the past. They hold on to it. They just, they just like keep the, the wound open. Never time to recover, never time to heal because they're too hard on themselves. Uh, you know, I, I've been in that position before where, you know, I've let my past mistakes uh, still haunt me. And, you know, what's, what has helped me is, like I said, consuming content, speaking to people like you who have that similar mind frame as well, uh, who have alluded to me that, you know, all of us have done that before. And I think the only way you learn is by turning those wounds into wisdom and seeing, OK, now this happened to me. I wasn't I didn't make the best decision or. I allow this person's, you know, actions to reign over me for too long. Uh, how can I improve that? How can I, how can I change that particular mind frame? Is by recognizing that whatever happened or whatever I did doesn't fully represent who I am. Because just like you or just like the next person next to you, we grow, we evolve. And I don't think we should always be you know, judged on things that we did in the past, unless they are a repeated act that we do in the future. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And what we've settled in with our, you know, like rehashing the core values for the nonprofit side of it is that we believe that limitations mm -hmm. uh, add value, add value to our lives. And I think that's uh, some of what you got to as we go through these. But a lot of people see mistakes leading to wounds leading to limitations and it's just like you know that fear oh, takes over and and we have to you know at some point i think we it immediately becomes a negative connotation and that stops us from from taking that step that maybe would have been a life-changing you know moment for us Absolutely. or somebody yeah. else yeah and i think uh you, right? you hit it you hit it like honestly right in the nail man it, it's so crazy i'm, I'm actually uh I'm actually having tea right now and the tea bag, you know how they have like the sayings on the, uh, the little, uh, like the part that you dip. I don't know what it's called exactly. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the Yogi teas, they have these quotes and the quote is today. I promise you, bro. I just grabbed this. I did not look at it. It says, when you act with compassion, you'll never be wrong. And it, when you and act it goes, with compassion, you'll never be wrong. That we mentioned. I just wanted to say that, uh, to you and things of that nature, but no, like, man, you, you really, honestly, I agree with every, everything you said. Um, you know, the fact that you even talked about resiliency today and, you know, everything that you're going through and, you know, and taking what you've seen in the story I posted, it, it all boils down to that. Like we talked about love earlier and we talked about resiliency. If you had to pick two words to get you through any situation in life, those might be two words that you bring up. <laughs> like, it, yeah, it's hard. To it's hard to lose like, with those about, two words. Like, I, I can give you any scenario as long as it's not life and death to a point where you can't control it, like your health, you know what I mean? In terms of like, uh, like cancers and things that you didn't put on yourself. In most cases, like with love and resiliency, you can even get through. And honestly, you've heard stories of people getting through 
those type of situations, even with love and resiliency. So, um, you know, I think those are two very valuable words. And I think that's, that should be like the forefront of, of like how we lead our lives. Why is this not, <clears throat> excuse me, why is this not our default? You know, why instead of viewing wounds as wisdom um, and blessings, why do we immediately go to the, the other feelings surrounding them, like shame and guilt and, and those heavy emotions? Why do, you, why do we do that? I think shame and guilt are learned behaviors. Um, and now, mind you, like that can be a learned behavior from your childhood. Um, it could be something to where, you know, every time you did something, your parents made you feel shame and guilt around it and you carried it into your adulthood. Uh, we don't have, you know, I think things are changing now for kids and I'm happy they are, but we didn't, we didn't have people teaching us how to deal with anxiety. We never had people teaching us how to, unless you got professional help at a young age, which most of us didn't, we didn't have teachers. We didn't have people teaching us how to heal and how to overcome obstacles and things of that nature. And so more importantly, and I meant to say this, we didn't have people really truly tell us to be ourselves or find who you really are and don't and doesn't and do not care about what people think because if you don't care about what people think how can you have shame or guilt you can't like and mind you when i say don't care about what people think i mean if you are doing something that's truly for you and you're not hurting somebody else obviously um in the process but you know we create shame and we create guilt behind you know living up to an expectation of us whether that's a social expectation, um, uh, expectation from our family, expectation from our friends, um, coworkers, whatever the case may be. And if something doesn't go to a standard, there's shame or there's guilt behind it. Um, but in reality, I don't think most of us, I, I don't think we as human beings need to feel shame or guilt if we're leading with compassion or leading with love, like we mentioned earlier. Because if something is maybe uncommon or something is not popular in terms of what you do and people ridicule you for it if you know you led with love and you know you led with compassion and it was something that truly represented who you were there's no shame and no guilt around that but we as a society we we like to like to point out things that make us feel uncomfortable or fears of our own that we couldn't do and we make people feel shame or guilt around that you know um it's like it's like the term entrepreneur right so one of my friends uh older older guy he was telling me he was like man Back in the 80s or 90s, entrepreneur meant that broke guy looking to find that, that, that next big hit and never happened for him 99% of the time. And now entrepreneur is a different total term. It's like you want to be that thing, you know? But think about it. If not a lot of people is doing something, you're going to feel shame or guilt saying you're an entrepreneur in the 80s or 90s. Now you're an entrepreneur, people appraise you. It's like, oh my God, you run your own business, you do this. And it's like, look how that term has changed based upon the popularity of something. Do you think if we could separate ourselves from those, those learned emotions, you know, the shame, the guilt and all that other stuff. Um, the second point that you made was that we should be grateful for our mistakes because it yeah. led us to where we are. Um, and that's that's a big statement, and I kind of want to unpack that. But do you think we would be more success, successful in achieving that point blank if we could see limitations as valuable instead of shameful uh, of course, know, situations? It, I think also, too, it, it goes back to uh, the mind frame thing. It's how you frame it. Um, but logically, I, I believe you can. You know what I mean? And, you know, when, when you, mentioned, you mentioned something there about um, – 
uh, I forgot the word you just said. Um, can you repeat that statement again? The, um, the, yeah, oh, it was a right, one and done right. thing. I can't repeat <laughs> um, them. But basically, I, I no. have what I'm going to say. I wanted to repeat what you said, though. But um, I do think you can, you know, get past those learned behaviors. Um, I do think that, you know, you can, you know, like what you mentioned, you, you can push past those particular points if you truly desire to. And what I mean by that is, like, if you truly recognize that whatever's harming you or whatever's keeping you behind, that it needs to change. Like, so whether that's drug abuse or whether that's hanging out with the wrong people or whether that's uh, not opening your mind frame up to different possibilities. I think we're, we as human beings are our own limitations. Like we, we, we create those limitations for, sure. for ourselves. Nobody else created them. So when you speak of limitations, um, you know, like it, it, it's it's an arbitrary term. But at the same time, I do think like, you know, those things can be healed or can be corrected if we as human beings choose to. Now, where I'm honest and I'm very, very forefront is like I'm still a, a, a learning process. I think that we are all life learners, uh, society. And when I say society, and I, I've been saying that a lot, I don't mean to put everybody in the same box, obviously, you know. Um, but when society teaches you to go to school, get a degree, Go to grad school, maybe get a job, find a wife, find a husband, live 40 years, things of that nature. When people are prone to that mind frame, but it doesn't happen for them, that that throws I've noticed that throws everything off. Like when they're saying that when they're so stuck on that particular thing happening for them and it doesn't happen in the, in the, in the way they want it to happen. It completely, completely, completely throws them off. And so. I've learned through my, through my craft and also being one of those people who put themselves in a box that if I adhere to what the world wants for me, I'm putting limitations on what I can do, period. And so I'm still a learning process in that. Like I, I'm learning to this day to be more disciplined. I'm learning to this day to how to love my fellow uh, neighbor more, how to take interest more. I'm learning to this day how to be the best version of myself. And so, you know, when we have these talks and I hear talks on podcasts, they become very finite as if we're all experts in this thing called life. We're still learning, man. And like, what, what is the quote? A man that knows something knows he knows nothing at all. Like, we're still That's learning. Right. And so when people listen to this as listeners, understanding that even two people talking on this, this podcast, and even though we're the medium for it, we're still on our own journeys learning just like you. And so we're just sharing what we've learned in our path so far, but there's still more to go. You said two things in there that I want to just echo um, and then build on. One of those is kind of like that, that fine line between you have to get outside mm -hmm. of your own story and in order to be em empathetic mm -hmm. uh, to other people. But at the same time, you still have to own That's, your oh, story too. You know, like you can't be, you can't let that uh, be dictated by other people, but you have to be bigger than just your story if you're going to have a true impact right. on others. Um, and the other, the other thing that you talked about, to me, the word that kept popping up in my head was hope. You, if there's, like, take it from a gym standpoint, from a fitness standpoint, I can only provide the program, but if somebody doesn't have the motivation, mm -hmm. then, then I can't do it for them. And so when we're talking about resiliency and we're talking about, um, you know, coming from mistakes and stuff like that, if there's not a hope or an expectation that things will be better, 
then the limitations Absolutely. will just be limitations. The, the wounds will just be wounds, Absolutely. you know. Um, there has to be that yeah. expectation of hope. Um, in in the, the point that you made about mm-hmm. being grateful for the mistakes because it led us to where we currently are, I was talking about it yesterday, and I, I said I think I actually read it. I agree with it completely, but I actually read it in the reverse order. A lot of us don't recognize where mm-hmm. we are to even be able to be grateful for the mistakes and the, the mm. happenings that got us I like, I like how you, you put know? that. That's twofold. Uh, damn, I really like how you put that. Like, there, there is a sense of being lost um, that I think a lot of us experience because I've experienced it as well. Um, just, like, not knowing where I'm at. You know, um, what, would you, what would you say, and I want to ask you a question, like, if there was a point that you felt lost or didn't know where you were, was there a remedy for it or what helped you gain that sense of being to, to, to recognize where you currently were at that time? That's where, and this is probably not the, the end all answer for it, but I think that's where mm. meaningful connections come into play. A, su- a support structure. Um, and the member yesterday when she was talking about the uh, mm. effect of childhood experiences, she used the word buffers. Um, if there are buffers and support structures in your life, then they're going to mitigate some experiences. They're going to highlight some experiences. And I think that's where, for me, it's been like the mm-hmm. self-doubt process mm-hmm. is easy to go down. Um, and I, I tell people when they come to the program that your value begins at your own self-assessment because I can tell you all day long that you're important, that you matter. But until you buy it internally, then you don't have any value you're still sitting at a zero. And so when there are those moments of being like, you know, what am I doing? I'm lost. I'm floundering around. That's where somebody always in my life has stepped up and been like, Hey, you matter. Hey, what you're doing is important. Um, and then there's that kind of like slap you around on the face and, you know, get the motivation back. To me, so. I would say, uh, whenever I felt lost, it was because, uh, I wasn't setting up, um, the rules for my life properly. And now rules, like I said, is a, is a broad term, but you know, the structure, I recognize that structure creates freedom for me. If I, if I don't have the structure, I'm mm-hmm. lost, bro. I'm lost. And, I, and it hits me harder every time because once I had a, once I had a daughter, I had to restructure what my structure was. And having a daughter also helped me realize that the previous structure I had, the holes in how I went about things. I was like, man, like I could have did this way better. I could do this way better. And so that's another aspect of learning from your mistakes, you know, being grateful for your mistakes or, you know, and a mistake can be whatever you want it to be. But, you know, I think as your life evolves and as your life grows, you know, like you as a man or you as a woman need to constantly reevaluate your current position and where you are. And I think that can be a daily thing through meditation. I like I've been a huge fan of meditation. Um, this past year, um, it's been amazing for me, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't like to think of myself as a mastery of it, but I like to think of myself as getting a lot better and recognizing the moment and, and then living my life according to the worth that I set forth for myself by just taking those 10 minutes a day and, you know, setting the expectation in my mind of what I want to accomplish, who I am and who I want to impact. We, um, do do mistakes automatically equal wounds? Mm. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think automatically because I, you may, you may not be seeing it at that time as a wound right away. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. So we're in the health industry. The reason why there are still more overweight and obese people um, than people who you would think of would be in healthy standard is because eating bad and not exercising and performing unhealthy habits, they don't kill you in one day. Like if you, if you were to eat a cheeseburger and you were to smoke a cigarette and the side effects were this cheeseburger and this cigarette could kill you today, nobody would do it. What happens is it's these mistakes or it's these learned habits that happen over a long period of time. But, but since they don't have a direct like negative impact, we as human beings continue to do them. And so when you talk about mistakes, it's like, I don't think in that moment, it automatically becomes a wound unless in that moment you, I guess if you had like a, a euphoric state where you kind of recognize it's like, Oh, like, you know, like, damn, like I, I just messed up and I, I need to, you know, see it as this rather than see it as that. I think when it first happens, when you first make that mistake, I think it's, I, I don't think that you recognize it as a mistake as much without time going by because you don't really see the impact of it. Um, you know, and it depends on the, the, the degree of the mistake, you know, obviously, um, you know, if it comes to a degree to where there's life and death involved, you might see it as a, you might see it as a wound very, very fast, you know, um, and it just depends, you know, I think everyday mistakes, like, I don't think you see them as wounds as quick until you have done them over and over again. And then you see the effect of that, or you have the insight to be like, okay, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm gonna let it go. I, whatever happened, it came back to me and you know, I just got to learn from it. So I, I think, I think it depends on the individual basically. As you were going on with the, the, um, Instagram stories, you made a switch and I'm going to take a stab cool. at what, what I think the gotcha. relevance is. And then you can tell me how close I am. Okay. So it's based off of what you just said. So you went on to say, you talked about how as children, we make mistakes and we don't give it a second thought. Um, why as adults are we so hard on ourselves when we make a mistake because the same rule for children should apply to us now and thinking about my children and thinking about what you were just talking about how the the mistakes don't automatically lead to a wound or a consequence um my my kids they're especially the younger ones you know they're they're untouchable they're willing to try anything whether it's you know, touching something hot or if it's like even learning to walk or any of those things. And, and we were talking about this yesterday is like, what, what is different? Um, because they almost automatically get a consequence, whether it's they fall or we yeah. tell them no, or, you know, something like that. And I, I think what they're learning are boundaries. They're learning, um, you know, there's an immediate consequence and hopefully it's not anything to, to, you know, harmful, but as adults, we make these mistakes and we don't get an immediate lesson from it. Um, and it, and it builds and it builds. But I think the, the big switch for me from childhood to adult and why we don't take risk, why we don't view our mistakes as uh, positive lessons is because somewhere along the way, the, the negative outcome becomes okay. almost like a trauma okay. for us. Um, 
And, and that's even if it's self-imposed, we start associating those words mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, the shame, the guilt, the, the, that kind of emotion around consequences. And so now if I, if I'm fearful of making a mistake, that's going to lead to some type of um, trauma and emotional response there, then, you know, maybe I'm not as courageous as my one-year-old is, who's going to try to walk. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Are you there? Uh, uh, I think you, you hit what it you on the nose, man. Um, like, so it goes back to the frame and how you view things. Again, I think, I think, I think it always starts with your frame and how you view it. And, um, you know, when you, when you, when you use the aspect of, of children and you talk about children, we started the show off talking about children and how present they are and, you know, like just the aspects of how they make you feel presence, their presence their being in that moment uh, allows them to do certain things that will probably cause a, a, a human being who is of an older age to fear because they know. So it, it goes back to like the first question in psychology, to know or not to know. They can't really oblige by that because they don't know. So everything is, is like, just like go. It's on full go mode. Like we don't know yet. So I don't know what it's going to be. And I think that's a beautiful place to be. However, you know, us as adults or us as people of an older age, we've experienced certain things that they haven't experienced yet. So what happens is that fear does creep in, uh, that fear to live out uh, energetic life and try things does creep in. Uh, when I put that story up, it's more about the energetic flow of children. And what I mean by the energetic flow of children is like, you know, you can you can basically say say your kid does something that uh, you consider naughty that you told them not to do over and over and over again. Now, mind you, like, you know, in that moment, you've probably showed an aggression or you've probably shown a sternness to where they feel bad about it. Like they feel bad. They feel, they feel like, oh my God, I messed up and things of that nature. If you told them to sit there and think about what they did for 30 minutes and after the 30 minutes, you can go back outside and play. Like after that 30 minutes, literally it will seem like nothing happened at all like it it, it, like even in an eight or nine year old it it, like they literally just get back to what they were doing and being that joyful little kid that they once were and that's what i really wanted to allude to and by that story that i put up was just more of the energetic flow obviously we know our mistakes at our older age will cause probably more repercussions and have a more of an impact on what we do however if we could somehow you know in our past and in our everyday lives put the frame of our mistakes into just that it's just a mistake it doesn't dictate who you are and it doesn't dictate who you want to become or who you want to be from this point on you have an opportunity to change the opinions of people but first you have to change your opinion of yourself and i feel like once you change that opinion of yourself and once you get back to once we can have that process of getting back to who we are after the mistake and after we learn from it. And obviously, you know, after we've shown empathy and remorse for, toward it and get back to being who we truly are at, at our, at our most blissful state, um, it's up to the person to find that and do that. But I think it's, it's definitely helped me along the way of realizing that my mistakes don't make me who I, who I am. I just have to learn from them. And it's important for me, and especially because of the impact that I have on people every day and now having a daughter is that I tap back into who is Patrick and not let that moment dictate who I am completely.
how can we guide people towards that successfully? You know, what, what can we do to, to get people more consistently reframing and seeing, you know, mistakes and limitations as boundaries, but not necessarily right. obstacles think, or borders that can't be just like overcome. This, this podcast, uh, I think, you know, taking the information that we consume that helps us ourselves put the frame of what you just mentioned and making sure that information uh, is available to people. Now, you know, you're, you're, you're having, you're doing a podcast. So people are going to sit and listen to this particular podcast. And the topics we're talking about are very deep, thoughtful topics. Um, if we can simplify our conversation, which we are to basically adhere to the masses, which we're doing right now, I think they have a better chance. I like of, of basically adhering to the aspect of like my mind frame is the most important aspect. And I, and if I can frame these mistakes as, just stepping stones, I can get past it. But if you don't know the information, if you don't know that's possible, then you won't know. It's, it's very, very simple. It's, it's, like, it's like with finances. Like right now, I'm in a very intricate space in terms of the financial world because I'm learning more and more and I'm learning more about opportunities that my money can do for me. But a year ago, I just didn't know. I, I just didn't know that information was available. So us as people that want people to have that foundation of a mind frame to where you can make mistakes as long as you can frame that mistake and move forward. We have to continue putting out information. We have to continue doing Instagram stories. We have to continue writing books. We have to uh, continue doing seminars. We have to continue putting that information out there at a rapid pace so people can grasp on, because I feel like that's the only way we're going to truly know because our parents, you, you, you're lucky. Your children are lucky to grow up with a father like you because they'll be very insightful growing up already, but there's still going to be some stuff that you don't know that they're going to have to learn. And same thing with me. And I hope that there are people in this world who can put the right information out so that information can reach the people that I love. And so they can grasp it because we can't learn everything from our parents. We can't learn everything from our friends, our relationships, things of that nature. So I think doing what you're doing right here, right now, is one of the best ways to do that. Let's have a conversation about it and let people listen. One big thing that I took away from conversations with you, and you've actually posted about it a couple of times, is uh, in realizing that each moment is too fleeting to waste. You know, and um, I was showing the mm -hmm. post the other day that you put up about breathing and it, it's a breathing is such a practical and important and relevant thing, especially in a lot of different, I say training schools of thought, you know, whether it's from weightlifting to uh, mindfulness, whatever, but mm -hmm. um, inhale the present and exhale the future. And, and if we get caught up in these, these wounds and the impact of these wounds weighing us down, um, that one lesson that you've always said, and I've heard from you so many times about knowing that time is fleeting um, and we, we shouldn't waste it. You know, this is this is one of those we have to kind of things for me is we have to have this conversation. We have to mm -hmm. do better by people and do better by ourselves. Um, and I think about that with the kids all the time. So um, what. What is some advice that you so, have? Uh, I give you a, a, so I'll give you like a little quick little story. Uh, I when I came to Charlotte. Uh, and once I, because uh, I, I was actually in banking when I first came down, actually. So I was going that whole banking route. Um, loved the aspect of health and wellness. And just honestly, I went into health and wellness to get out of the current department I was in 
in banking just so I can reapply and get into another one just because of politics of the job. But I ended up loving what I what what the health and wellness uh, industry provided for me. So I just stuck with it. And being in that industry, uh, you meet a lot of yoga instructors. Just me. I just know a bunch of yoga instructors, whether it was at the gym I was working at or whether it was through networking things here in Charlotte. And, um, you know, one thing they would always tell me is like, like your breathing isn't going with your flow. Like you're not breathing according to your flow. You're breathing like an athlete. Like you're breathing like, you know, we're, as athletes, we're taught to, you know, just deep, deep breaths, keep going, keep going. It's very steady. But when you breathe according to how you move, when you exhale, do this move, inhale, do the following move, it actually slows you down. And actually, you actually realize while you're doing the yoga practice, like it's actually helping me getting to a different flow or a different position a lot more smooth. And she gave the example about how, you know, women breathe when they're pregnant. And if you look at, you know, the statistics that show is that breathing naturally calms the body down. Naturally. It just naturally calms the body. Like, and it goes back to the story that I mentioned in that post about it's the first thing we do and it's the last thing we do. But it's, off, it's often the most overlooked thing that we do every day because it's so natural for us. We've, we've done it so much that we don't understand how important it is until it's our last one. And so, uh, you know, it, it's the aspect of like breathing to me is the forefront of what we do. And like, you know, whether you are feeling anxiety, you're feeling stress, uh, you're trying to be present, whatever your goal is, I always recommend to people just stop, breathe, like take one big breath in, one big breath out. It will naturally relax you. All right. You're breathing in the oxygen. And so what happens is like you're quicker to recover. You're quicker to recover from a negative state. You're quicker to recover from being super tired from a workout. Uh, you're quicker to recover from just the aspects of so much commotion going on around you if you just stop and you just breathe. And it's very, very significant. And I, I always encourage people um, to, and I think these are one of some of the best people you can talk to about breathing because they literally go through courses on breathing is if you have a yoga instructor that you know or that you're in passing and, you know, ask for breathing routines, ask for, um, you know, there's actually breathing apps out there. So I use an app for meditation called Calm. Have you heard of that app? Yeah, so Calm and it's C-A-L-M. No, I, I'm going to look it up. There. They have meditations on there just for breathing. Nothing else, just breathing, just teaching you how to breathe. They do breathing counts. Hey, inhale for four, hold for a two count. All right, release for eight count. So that's 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 exhaling super slow. And you'll realize like through the different counts of how naturally it calms your body down. Um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do for one of my clients because they asked about it and I thought this could be very, very beneficial was actually do a course inside their program on breathing. And so that's something I'm actually looking up now and learning different techniques and just trying to give them different ways to, you know, calm themselves and, you know, bring themselves back to a present moment. Always, man. The word presence just continues to creep in, you know, coming from the beginning of the conversation to now, the word presence. And, you know, my focus was on um, unpacking resiliency. And I think you've done an amazing job of hitting on different parts of it. But one thing that I hadn't considered until we started talking at the beginning was like the the kids being an example, how resilient kids are. maybe now coming full circle to the breathing and everything and, and realizing that being present is mm-hmm. such a key component to resiliency, yeah. you know, 
Um, I just, I'd overlooked that from the very beginning, but it's, it's been, uh, man, it's just been amazing hearing your insight. And I was thinking as you were talking about breathing, I I was going back to the Captain America analogy in my head and I was like, okay, so I'm going to be present. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to stand back up and we're going to go do this, you know, and that's what, that's what I want for our organization. That's what I want for any of the individual listeners or anybody who may come across us in conversation to take away is resiliency doesn't mean that you avoided adverse life experiences. Resiliency means that you encountered that you learned from and that you continue to grow from uh, any, whatever the adverse life experience is. And none of us coming out of 2020 can say that we haven't experienced one. So um, the conversation has been amazing and I'm going to take in the podcast notes. I'm going to yeah, drop in a link do, for please do, please. Uh, the calm app. And the book, the Mastery of Love book, of course, um, as well as a link to your stuff, so that people can look you up and uh, and see all the amazing content and everything that you do. But yeah. to wrap it up in in an on the spot question, what would be your takeaway that you would want our listeners up here and wherever else to uh, the, the to one, experience the from the conversation that, with you today? Uh, I would say is that I want to actually add another word to what we talked about. Um, we talked about love and resiliency and how with those two words, um, you can't lose. But I will also I would also put the word presence in there since it was a reoccurring word that we always that we always that we brung up so much. It's like, you know, when you love, when, when you operate from a place of love, you you have integrity. Uh, you also have uh, self-love because this is who you are and this is what you do. Uh, when you show that that resiliency in which you just mentioned uh, prior uh, to to you asking me this question. Um, you have the mind frame to push past, you know, obstacles and push past barriers. Uh, then when you add the aspect of presence on it, on top of those two words, to me, you know, as, as you were talking, I was thinking of it and I was just like, man, like in order to achieve the love and the resiliency, you have to be present. Like you have, you have to be present to see in that moment that, that I'm going to do something out of love but I'm also going to continue to strive through my resiliency. I have to be present in that moment. And it just all leads back to, you know, like those three words. And I think those are like three very, very valuable foundational words um, that often get overused in different ways. But if you really looked at like just how simple they truly, truly are, like they're like life changing, like they're truly, truly life changing. So, you know, what I want listeners to take away and what I'm going to take away, because once again, like I'm a forever life student, are those three words are those three spectrums of like, you know, show love, do everything through love, build resiliency. I think, I think resiliency is something you can build. It's not something that I, I, the one thing I, and I don't mean to go over time or anything like that, but one thing I, I do not like is that you hear these questions are like, are people born with resiliency? Are people born with this? Are people, I don't, I don't, I truly don't believe that. I truly, truly don't believe we're born with anything. I think we're pure. I think we're just like here and we learn things based upon our environment that we grew up in and, w- and what we consume and who, who's, who teaches us things. Um, and then through our life experiences, we learn. So I think any trait you can learn, I think resiliency is something that you can learn. Put yourselves in environments to where you have to push through it. And once you push through something once, you're like, oh, that, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. That's resiliency right there. 
Um, and then it goes back to once again being present. And in order to achieve the, the latter two, you have to be present in both of them. So um, I'll take away that. And, and I hope the readers can take listeners can take away that as well. Yeah. And I'm sure they will. There's there's no way anybody's listening to this conversation today yeah. and is going to turn it off and be like, oh, he just does personal training. So I think the conversation has been awesome. I appreciate every bit of the energy and time that you put into it. And we'll continue to do it for the listeners um, and and for the people in Charlotte. um, Thank you for for connecting in those moments, uh, those few moments that we shared while going hiking that day. Um, It's it's crazy about that day was almost three years ago. And I I honestly, man, I felt like it was one of the most impactful times I've ever had in my life. Like of just like, you know, men from all different backgrounds. um, Yeah, I agree. All different professions coming together, you know, having a good time, more important. But then, you know, going on that 4 a.m. hike, you know, beating the sunrise, you know, sharing those moments, you know, some of us having beer, some of us drink. It was just like the bros moment of all. And I, and I love that, man. I love that. And so that's actually inspired me um, <laughs> to eventually, you know, I, I want to, like, make that a thing. And I think, honestly, man, I'm going to say in the podcast, too, it's like I really do think that, man, we all should do that again sometime soon, man. I really, really do. We don't have to tell them nah, about the s'mores. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. We uh, whatever that. We thing have some was, interesting s'mores, man. And we have some interesting characters out there. Like people, we were literally all different. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy how Tucson can, uh, like bring all these people together who are all different. We were all different, but in those moments, like we really came together as bros for, in two days. Like it was it was amazing. It was amazing. So, yeah, it was great. Um, yeah I'm definitely going to be hard to hit up and talk to him about that, man. Because that, that can happen right now, even with everything going on. You know, like we were in nature, you know, and I, th- I think that's definitely something that we can probably get together, or at least at the top of the year when things maybe get a little bit more calmed down. For sure. So, yeah, but like I, I appreciate you for having right. me on, Derek, man. It, it's been amazing. Um, these conversations uh, help me. Um, just as much as they help the listeners and just as much as they help yourself because it just, it just puts you in this, this, this again, this mind frame of, uh, of worthiness uh, because, like, you've done the work. You know what I mean? You, you, you've, you've decided to look at life from a broader perspective and understand it more. And when you have things or you experience things that help you tap back into that, it's a beautiful feeling. It really, really is. Like, I, I literally was doing a presentation before we got on here, and I was so business like my mind was so business. And then the moment we started talking about Ella, my daughter in the beginning, it took me totally away. Like it literally, I was like, I didn't care about any presentation. And then it just opened me up to more conversation because we started the conversation with something I love. And it, it just leads back to that love thing again. It really does. It changes everything. man. So I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate Absolutely. It, and that's what we have to keep doing. Well, for everybody listening, check out the links in the um, podcast notes. And if you have learned anything from this, it's that mm-hmm. we can be and need to be better, and we need to Appreciate be better it. Thank together. You guys. So, 